guys, welcome to the Take This With You podcast, episode 50. Today we celebrate our 50 episodes while we go over my time at PAX South, what I saw, what I liked, and what didn't interest me as well. I am your host, Ryan Guerra, and alongside me, as always, is the co-host of the Take This With You podcast, Mario Staples. Yo, and in true Take This With You, Ryan and Mario fashion, we did not plan anything for episode 50. It's no, just we totally episode did not. 50. <laughs> just episode 50 talking about Pack South. Nothing huge. Yeah. But uh we do want to say thank you guys so much for sticking around this long. If you've been an original, an OG, uh thank you for being with us for 50 episodes. We hope that you've noticed improvements along the way. <laughs> yeah. Um Yeah, what's wrong with you guys listening? You guys are crazy. Yeah, I know, man. But we, we <laughs> you guys are totally crazy, but we do appreciate it. A lot, and we hope to uh, keep on going. You know, fifty. We're halfway to one hundred. Uh, Can I shame twenty five percent of the right way now? to two hundred? Yeah, man, man, give it as shameless as you can. Yeah, uh, if you really enjoy our episodes, you should follow me on my Twitter at xx sneaky squid xx. Yeah, you should follow me on my Twitter and Instagram at Ryan P Guerra as well. And I will do the shameless plug again at the end, more than likely. Oh, we will totally, we will shameless <laughs> yeah. plug the hell out of this episode, for sure. But, as we do when we kick off our themed episodes, uh, we go over the games that we play called the Take This With You segment. So, Mario, what did you take with you this week? Um, so, a couple things. So, the NFL finally realized that going to overtime in the Super Bowl makes them a lot more money <laughs> than they intended. Tom Brady is the greatest of all time. And I started playing um, Castlevania Order of Ecclesia. Oh, wow. And, man, that's probably, I'm just going to say, I'm not even going to say probably, that's the best Castlevania game. Like, I was, like, a really big fan of the uh, Symphony of the Night series. Like, I really Mm -hmm. like Symphony of the Night. And this, like, kind of takes to that like what it well kind of takes from that and what it did and just makes it that much more better like just the combos just being able to use different spells and it's not as grindy as most of the castlevania games are like it's still grindy like it's still a metroidvania game where you're having to kind of backtrack but i don't feel like it's that bad and i think the boss battles are really great i am kind of at that point right now where i'm having to backtrack a bit but yeah, this has to be, like, my favorite Castlevania game for sure. Wow, I mean, that's a bold claim because there's a lot of good Castlevania games out there. There are a lot of good ones. I just think that this one just... I mean, I, I think... Um, oh, what was the other one? Harmony of Despair? Like, I think that, that's another one that a lot of people like. Yeah. But I think a lot of the great Castlevania games are on the DS. So, uh, and I, I'm playing it on my 3DS, but of course you can play DS games, so I'm playing it yeah, on there. Yeah. And, man, like, it's just so amazing. Like, and even the music is absolutely phenomenal Uh, and i also think a lot of people say they like castlevania and then like never play the great castlevania games and i yeah i I do think that this is one of them like if you like symphony of the night then i'd say like jump on this and play this game because this one's a lot of fun yeah, they're all like, I love Castlevania, especially, you know, Castlevania 64. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, oh, exactly. Yeah. So I've never played this one, but I've played Portrait of Ruin before. I heard and that I got to say, yeah, they're a lot of fun, man. They're really good. Um, 
if you like Castlevania or you've never played a Castlevania and you like, you know, Metroidvania games, uh, you may as well play the original Vania, you know, and yeah, and exactly. jump into Let's some good all. Castlevania. Yeah, for sure. And and what I like about it is it does harken a lot to Symphony of the Night, you know? Mm-hmm. And and not as much the the, you know, three dimensional platformer that right. it's kinda become as of late and 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 to be honest, it's probably it's probably done. Like I don't see oh, yeah, Castlevania no. games coming out in the future. Very yeah, much. especially since like you're not gonna get anything like this anymore. Uh, like I just yeah. feel like this is just like I think this was one of the last ones, I believe. And yeah, you're just not gonna get another one again like that. Yeah. Like and I just think like even on the DS, like I mean it's on the 3DS, but like it originally being on the DS, like it just like the sprites, like they just look so good. Like it just looks yeah. like a really good platformer. And for the DS, like you just wouldn't expect it. Yeah, no, that's how I felt with Portrait of Ruin too. Like it mm-hmm. just it looked so good. Yeah, for the DS too, of all things. Yep. Um, it's a shame. I don't believe there's one out for the 3DS. Nope. Uh, Such and a fail. Probably dude. not going to be anything out for the <laughs> Switch either. Yeah, I know, man. It's just missed opportunity. Castlevania is is just such a beloved franchise and it's kind of just disappeared a little bit, you know, or replaced with God of War, you know, 0.5. And I, you know what? Like, and I wonder if it's cuz it's like Castlevania, <clears throat> I wouldn't even consider that uh, cuz it's not a casual thing because like it can be very difficult and I wonder mm-hmm. if like that had a lot to do with it too, like but you would also think that it has its own market and like that would still sell. Like you say there's going to be a new Castlevania game, like even the Castlevania game uh, Lords of Shadow that came out on like the 360 like people still bought that and it was yeah. like just like you said it was like God of War like there's yeah. still a market for the Castlevania series but I'd love to see more like this man yeah no I mean I played uh Lords of Shadow I didn't beat it but I only, I got to the very last like dungeon did you like it or whatever you want to call it yeah man I did it cool, right? but it's like I said it's kind of a you know God of War game, you know, yeah, like exactly. it, it's just it, it's copy paste with a different skin. You know, it may as well mm-hmm. almost be a mod. Um, and I have Lords of Shadow too, but I've never I've never even turned it on. I've never played it, to be honest. Um, and yeah, I mean, just looking at it, it looks like Pachinko's kind of the the new destination of Castlevania, the new home. <laughs> Sucks, dude. Uh, you know, leave it to Konami. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, I think the they're pretty much done, man. You're playing it at its prime, though. I know. Playing, Isn't that a know? shame from 2008? I'm playing yeah, exactly. its prime in 2008. For sure, man. For sure. It's kind of been downhill from there, and now it's, you know, making making Konami a lot of money. Uh, as a Make Konami game. great again? Is that Make Konami slogan? great again. Yeah, I know. Send Trump over there, you know? Um, <laughs> no, that's great, man. And, and I've been playing uh, a lot of Diablo 3 lately. On the PS4, nice. too, not even on the PC, because I bought it for the PS4 because it had both the regular and expansion. All that DLC? It was super cheap. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and man, I mean, I've been wanting to play it for so long, and I kind of feel like I'm jumping into it since it's been refined. You know, it got so much crap when it first came out, and now I get to play, like, the finished When did you pick it up? Oh, probably, like, a year ago, so I just oh, started okay. playing it now, though. Well, I was just asking because, like, they had, like, uh, at GameStop, they were selling it, like, whatever it's called, chest something, like, because that, that mm-hmm. was the whole, with all the DLC, and it was, like, mm-hmm. 30 bucks, something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, I, I got, like, the the main game and the expansion for, like, 20 bucks used or something like that. Oh, That's nice. good. Yeah, other than that, I beat Super Mario 3D Land on the 3DS. Oh, nice. Today, actually. 
Uh, also been playing some Fire Emblem Awakening, and I started up the Mass Effect series. But Dude, yeah. I'm really playing it for like the story, just to kind of be reminded because I beat them. Um, but I'm so I'm running through one, and I'm running through it on easy, just to kind of breeze through, and, yeah, and get the story down and kind of be reminded. Uh, I know, hate me, all you purists, that's fine, hate all you want, but uh, I am married and I have a full time job, and that means I need to play games on easy now instead of other difficulties, so I can actually beat it. Well, it's not even fun anymore playing it on like I, I find myself anytime I play a game like I just put it straight to normal. Like there's no yeah. reason unless once I play it on normal, if I absolutely love the game, then I'll play it on the hardest difficulty. But like there's none of this like achievement hunting or trophy hunting like for games anymore like it's stupid and pointless and i don't really care (laughs) yeah i feel like i've kind of i used to be big on that like trying to play games and stuff and i feel like yeah i've I've moved past it only because my lifestyle doesn't work for that anymore. work for yeah exactly yeah like then you start hating games yeah no absolutely man and in playing on easy or even normal difficulty, like, it's just more fun for me. Like, I want to be able to beat the boss. I don't want to die after restart a hundred times. I say this as a huge Dark Souls fan, as Dark Souls being one of my favorite series ever. But I feel like that, like, there, there's a method to the hardness. Like, there's there's a reason for it, as opposed to just like, oh, I'm going to play this game on hard. Right. Yeah, but, and uh, like, yeah. Uh, it's, it's cool that you brought Mass Effect up, because, like, I was telling a friend, <clears throat> I was like, man, like, I can't believe Andromeda's already coming out in March, and I need to get back, and I need to play these games, because I played the first one, but, like, I didn't finish the second one, and I never went to the third, so, like, I need to finish those off, because, yeah, I really want to play Andromeda, and I will not play that game until I finish the Mass Effect series. Yeah, dude, I think you owe it to yourself. Not only, I mean, Andromeda's not like a direct sequel or anything. Yeah, but, but still, like, they're I just, just so good, man. Yeah, like you need to play it. I'm just like that. Like, I can't just, I can't skip. Like, I, yeah. like, even though it doesn't really connect, but it connects in like the timeline. Like, I have to play all the other games. Yeah, or it just I mean, doesn't that's why I'm, you know, playing through The Witcher One and read all the books because I'm the yeah. same way. Like, I want to know it all. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and other than video games, I've actually been playing some tabletop games lately, including uh, like Zombie Side and Sentinels of the Multiverse. Yeah, I've been getting a lot more into that side of you know nerd culture, and and I really like it. It's almost like you're playing a game, except it's on a board on a table, and you're playing with friends, and it's just kind of a different experience. And and I've really been diving in. I love being a troll in tabletop games. Like that's just yeah, like I my main see, I mean, mission. I can, you can see that. You can see. You can definitely <laughs> see me being that. Yes. Like, I forgot what the name of it was. We had talked about it a long time ago on the podcast, but, like, we're, like, you had, like, your spies, like, your agents, and then you had, like, your spies, and you had to figure out, like, who the spy was. Yeah, And then, yeah, like, yeah. I'm just lying the whole time. People were believing me, and they're like, Mario would never lie, and I'm like, of course I wouldn't. Yeah. Just, like, sabotaging the mission every time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a good Christian man. Like, <laughs> yeah, I would never, I would tell never a lie. do anything wrong. No, for sure. Now, yes. actually, uh, one of the games that we're going to talk about that I saw at PAX South involves kind of lying and stuff. Indeed, it is intense. Uh, but with that, let's dive into a lot of the stuff that I saw at PAX South. Yeah, did you have fun? Man, I, I did. So I was at PAX with a, a group that I'm a part of called Game Church. And, in, you know, we won't go too much into that on this podcast. But 
being able to you know serve and work that booth was definitely a different experience than last year just attending but it also meant that i got to get in early as an exhibitor and test out a lot of these things without having to wait in line what i what i liked about them was like and like seem because i hadn't I, I had gone to pack south obviously when it first started which was two years ago and then i went last year i didn't go this year like i when I had the chance to do it, like I didn't jump on it, and then I was just like, yeah, I'll just skip this year. But I remember when I was there last year with you, like seeing them at the booth, and then like people going up and like going to them, and like they had no idea like what was going on and what it was all yeah. about, and just to see like everyone going through like the uh, what was it like the gaming bible or whatever, and like yeah, to yeah. watch everyone's face and watch them laugh was pretty funny. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. And it, it was a different experience. This year we set up a uh, like a gaming booth where oh, people nice. could come and sit. We had a giant TV and we just played games. But we are not here to talk about Game Church. We're here We're to not. talk about what I saw with yeah. Pack South. And one of the cool things that was that, that's happened each year that we've been able to kind of see is how much it's grown. So this year, along with all, you know, the usuals, you know, Favorites of the podcast, Devolver Digital was there, Tiny Build, a lot of indie companies. There was also some big ones, including Nintendo with the Switch and um, Capcom with their Resident Evil 7 experience. So let's start on the Switch, because this is what I wanted to talk to you about since you were there. Yeah, yeah. So you getting hands-on with it. So how, one, did the weight feel of the actual, like, because you played it with the pad and obviously played with the controller. So how was it with the pad? How was it with the controller? Yeah, yeah. So the pad is, let's just say it's definitely smaller than I thought it was going to be. The, the whole thing is a lot that. smaller than I thought it was going to be. And so when I saw it, I was kind of worried. But as soon as I held the pad in my hands, like the with, with like the, the tablet, right? Yeah. Uh, I played Bomberman with the tablet. And dude, it felt awesome. And it looked great. Love it looked Bomberman, so good. Yeah, man, and, and and it's a Bomberman game, right? Like, you kind of know what you're getting, but the mm-hmm. feel of it was natural. The controller felt good in my hands, and the weight was solid. It How- wasn't heavy. It didn't, it didn't feel like the Wii U controllers look, and it wasn't too light like it was cheap. It just felt solid. It felt like it was good hands. material, at least? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What about, what like about the bumpers it. for the Joy-Con? Yeah. Because I know you have the strap. And if you put the strap on, like, it extends it a bit, so it's a little bit bigger, and I guess it makes, like, that Joy-Con when you turn it sideways a little bit larger. Did, did you try it with the strap on and with it off, or, like, how was the setup there? So they only had the straps uh, included on the controller. Oh, okay. so there's no way that you could play it without it. And, okay. and man, I think if you're going to hold the Joy-Con, you have to use the have strap. Have to use it. Yeah, because it – so my hands aren't the biggest hands ever. I'm, I'm a five foot nine Hispanic. So I have five foot nine Hispanic hands, and that's dude, the Joy-Con fit. Yeah, dude, that's, I'm one of the taller Mexicans. That's uh, that fit perfectly in my hands. But if you're, and I guess the best way I can describe it is people who are bigger than me said they had no complaints about yeah. it. But when I held it, it was like, oh, this is the perfect size for my hand. Like this feels comfortable. It feels good. It fits great. Like it's not. You know, I don't feel like I'm holding a small little thing, and I don't feel like I'm holding, like, a big controller. Like, it just, 
it's a great fit with the strap. Now without it, I can I know it only adds like a centimeter in you know depth, but That's I could see it difference. feeling a little more uncomfortable. For I me. heard some some bloats on this other podcast, and like I was listening to like how they felt about it, and like they were saying that um, the one thing they didn't like, and I don't know what game it was that you had to do this, but I guess for each one of the Joy Cons. And they could have been stating this wrong, but they're saying, like, on one of the sides of the Joy-Cons, you have the X, Y, B, or whatever. But on the other Joy-Con, it's not the same, like, configuration. Like, it doesn't... It's not in the same spot. So, he was telling the person he was playing with, and they were doing this together as a team, to hit this button. But when they hit that button, it was different for him than it was for her when they were playing. Yeah. Did you... Like, okay, so, like, what... Was there a specific game that was like that? Not you, that you just see that I it's, I know mean, of only oh, okay. because when I was playing, I, I did play a lot of games because most of the games were were two player, multiplayer, right? And I played with yeah. the, one other guy who was at a different booth, another exhibitor, and uh-huh. you know, I so I only held one controller the whole right. time, but I never noticed anything that felt off. Now, if you look at the controllers, it's obvious, you know, with the joystick on the left side being at the top and the joystick on the right side being like in the middle, almost right. like there is going to be a difference there. You know, it's gonna it's gonna be noticeable, but I don't I, I i personally didn't hear anybody complaining about that yeah i just i heard them talking about that and i was just like oh that's actually interesting i actually didn't even think about that like if you have to play a game where you need that cohesiveness like that but i can't mm-hmm. really see where like it's just like any controller you have like you get used to the button placement so eventually that wouldn't be a problem it's, i think it's just like with anything you're not used to it so you're going to complain and say that and try to pinpoint something about it that's wrong. I personally, I don't think that would affect me as much, but I just thought it'd be interesting to bring up, like, if there was a specific game where it was like, oh, yeah, you noticed, like, oh, man, like, that kind of threw me off. Like, I had to think about it a second before I actually hit the button. Yeah, and I mean, I can see that, but I think you nailed it. Like, you can, you'll get used to it. You mm-hmm. know, even if you pick up a weird controller for the first time, if you're playing Mario Kart, within like two minutes, you're going to know the buttons, you're going to be fine. Yeah, imagine when everyone had to hold that N64 controller for the first time. Dude, that Mad Cat, right? <laughs> yeah. When everyone, it's like there's three controllers <clears throat> and one Mad Cat, and it's like, I don't want to get stuck with the Mad Cat. Like, but you get stuck with it, and you yeah. it works fine. You know, I, I think it's going to be okay. I do think that... That may be a little too like too small of a complaint to really affect too long term. Yeah, yeah, for sure. exactly. Especially oh. because most people who are going to hold that other controller aren't going to have a switch, or you know, they're they're not going to be like solely. Oh, well, I only play with the left controller. Like I don't see that happening too much. No, I know you system. didn't. You didn't have a Wii U, but I heard a lot of people saying like the screen is the exact same size, and I don't know if you had seen a Wii U like at a Best Buy or something but it's supposed to be the same size obviously just thinner uh, mm-hmm. did you notice that have you have you like seen the actual Wii U pad <clears throat> like I've seen like memes online or even like just photos of it yeah. and, and okay, it does so look like it's the same okay. size screen yeah okay. they didn't have a Wii U there I think Nintendo is just done with it you know we're not going to show it we don't want to bring any like light to it or anything like that oh no no, no. But- yeah no I know they weren't going to have it there I was just asking like for comparison's sake, like if you had had a Wii U in 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 person and held it, and were able to tell like if it was the same, just because I was hearing people saying that it was, and I was like, ah, eh. I mean, this that the screen's not too big, but I mean, it doesn't really matter because I think most of the time, like I would never use the Switch to play it away from my home, and then if really? I did, well, well, the thing is, if I did, I would 
not really complain about it because that's still it's gonna be a lot lighter than it than yeah. the Wii U pad is. Yeah, the Wii U pad's it's, freaking thick, and the screen is a decent size. Yeah, and that's what that's what I think is the biggest difference, though, and that's why I think the Switch actually like. I do believe, from what I understand, it is, like, if not the same, very close to the same. But the fact that the Switch trimmed off so much of the fat already makes the screen look bigger. Yeah. You know? It's more sleek. Exactly. And more solid. Like, the Wii U controller always looked like a plasticky, like, Oh, it is. It is plastic. And and the Switch looks solid, man. And the the controllers are, are awesome. Uh, so good, dude. The, the we played, you know, the one-two switch game. You know, I guess let me just go through the games that I played really quick, and that way yeah. we can kind of like that, that was good. So we can kind of <laughs> you know go through. So we talked about you know Bomberman. It's just a Bomberman game. Street yeah. Fighter, same thing, just a Street Fighter game. Uh, in Splatoon Fighter two, yeah, Street Fighter two. Okay. Uh, in Splatoon two, also kind of more of the same. We I used the uh, what is it, the Pro controller for those, you know, and and they felt fine. The the Pro controller just feels like, like a, a fatter Xbox three hundred and sixty right? controller. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it, it's a good controller. It's solid, uh, and and I liked it. It was fun. I enjoyed you, those games. I probably you, won't buy any of those games though. You can't go wrong though, like using like the three hundred and sixty blueprint. Like the, the those are the best controllers, hands down. Um, and yeah, I mean, age. I think a lot of people will argue both sides, and, and you know, it's not something that like I'm worried about. They're both great controllers. They both feel good. You know what I mean? They both work for playing video games, and and that's all I care about. Uh, but the other three games, so I played ARMS, 1-2 Switch, and Snipper Clips. Like, so when I bought my Switch, kind of one of the thoughts was, okay, I'm going to buy it, I'm going to think about it, and I'll either sell it or keep it. Uh, these three games sold me on it. I'm 100% going to buy these three games, and I'm 100% going to keep the Switch. Wait, what games again? ARMS and what? ARMS, 1-2 Switch, and Snipper Clips. You're going to buy the Switch for those? Absolutely. After playing them, one hundred. That just sounds funny. Like I just, dude. No, and, and honestly, when I saw them, I was like, dude, there's no like, I don't even care about these games. But when I played them, when I picked up the controllers and actually like tried them out, dude, I'm sold. I almost don't believe I don't. you. I like, I I do believe you. Like, and I kind of want to believe you, and I kind of want to have the same like feeling that you do about it. But I almost feel like. I think uh, every time, like, when Nintendo releases something, I always feel like people try to find, like, the most positive thing about it. Like, they just try to find anything to be, like, to, like, justify it. Yeah. I'm not saying yeah. you are. Maybe you really no, did enjoy no. these. Well, but, like, we also games. know that I'm, I'm also, like, more positive about things, right? But I'll say this. If yeah, you would have asked but... me a week ago if these three games are going to sell me on it, I would have said, heck no. Like, there's no chance I'm going to buy 1-2 Switch. There's no chance I'm going to buy ARMS. Like, they're a waste, complete waste of money. Snipper Clips, 20 bucks. I may buy it, maybe. You know, but, dude, playing them, picking them up and playing them and realizing the potential of what this system is. But it's $300 for the Switch. like. But that's the thing, dude. Like, it doesn't even matter. You need to, like, and that's where my mind changed. The Switch is not a home console. And that's what I think is going to trip a lot of people up. The Switch does not belong in the same conversation at all as the PS4 as the Xbox One or even, you know, a PC. Like, it is its own thing. And that's, I think, where the Wii failed in that the Wii, a lot of people looked at the Wii as, like, 
you know, a console, and they compared it to the console. And I think comparing the Switch to the console does a disservice to it. It also kind of does a disservice to the console because they're both doing two completely separate But, like, things. be honest with yourself. Like, how much do you really think you're going to play of these games? Oh, like, how dude, much do you think I'm going to play the crap out of these games because here's okay, what the Switch so is going to be for date. me. Yeah. 2-6-2017, <laughs> p.m. Okay, go ahead. So here's the thing, man. I go out with Emily and our friends a lot. And we go out and we'll go places. We'll play card games. We'll grab some drinks. We'll just hang out for a couple of hours. Dude, that is the perfect time to bust that out. The perfect time to bust out the switch not to mention i play a lot of tabletop games and i have friends come over and play tabletop games again the perfect time to bring out the switch because dude there is nothing freaking funnier than seeing one dude try to block a katana from another dude or a girl you know what i mean like swinging the katana down and seeing them try to catch it like dude every time people were playing one two switch there was a crowd around but see you watching and laughing you stating like what you're stating now brings like the sense of like the casual aspect of it. So like you said that to compare these two consoles with each other is a disservice because they are completely, they're two completely different things. So do you feel like the Wii U was trying to be more hardcore? And I say that with air quotes. And do <laughs> yeah, you feel like the switch is trying to be more casual? Like the Wii was, is that exactly what it is? Based off the games that Nintendo showed, yes, yes, absolutely. Okay. Now, don't get me wrong; it's still Nintendo. They're still Zelda. They're, gonna have they're the still going to yeah. hopefully be a Metroid game. You know, they're still going to be your Nintendo games. But the magic, like what the three hundred dollars is worth, are definitely like these the games like these games where you can work together with people. Snipper Clips is another one where it's twenty dollars, but like, dude. I grabbed the controller and somebody else grabbed the controller right next to me and we played the game and dude, like it forced us to talk, forced us to communicate, forced yeah. us to think about things in a way that no other game has ever made me do before. And and it was natural. Like we instantly wanted to work together. We instantly wanted to make it happen. And dude, I had a lot of fun playing it. And ARMS is the same thing. ARMS is just we boxing, but there's like little variations that make it worth coming back to and playing again now i'll be honest arms sixty dollars for arms is i think a little steep yeah that's a fail like they should have but, said 40 for that game yeah but i had a lot of fun playing it and both of us leaving were just like dude we love that game like Look, I just i'll say play this like I, I i feel like these type of games definitely do have a place uh in the market and I, I i don't think that that's not the case like I, I do agree that these should be around but i just don't want it to be like saturated that that's the only thing that i worry about with them like i want it to be how the wii was like <clears throat> you had wii resort like you had wii sports and like you had a couple of other of these like fluff games mixed in but like at the core it was about the experience of these titles of these first party titles that only Nintendo can bring you and that as long as they have like if there's if it if it doesn't become like where someone's trying to complete a switch library and you're having to buy all of these type of games like as long as there's nothing like that then I'm fine yeah I mean I'll say though dude I think the Wii though was like the most saturated system ever because there were so there was so much just like but no that's but that's the point that I'm making like but the Wii, but the Wii still did have its first-party titles that were great, 
and just from what you're bringing up, the Wii, it sounds exactly like the Wii, and that's what I'm saying. I don't want the Switch to be oversaturated because it yeah. already sounds like that's what it's going to be like. It's going to be just like the Wii. It's going to have all those games, all those games that really nobody wants. And then, yeah, you'll have the first-party titles mixed in there. Yeah, like, I can see that, man. I, and But that doesn't bother me. Like, crap games coming out doesn't bother me as long as there's good games, too. You know what I mean? One look at the PS4 store, and you will find a crap ton of crap games. One look at the Steam store, and you will find, like, 75% oh, just BS games. But see, so as the- long as the Switch is still killing it with their first-party games and Nintendo games, and the key thing is, you know, consistently... But they didn't... They haven't prompt... Like, you don't even know anything yet. Like, it's like, you know you're going to get Zelda, and, like, you know you're going to get Super Mario, and, like, that's it. And, like, you have all, like, you know, Fire Emblem and stuff like that, but, like, and Xenoblade, but, like... D- it's not like a death like again like i said this is exactly what the wii did and like the wii has some great games and they have like the super mario galaxies mixed in but it wasn't until like the end of the wii cycle where like all these amazing games were coming out and it was like oh my god like you must have a wii right now because there's so many great games but that was the end and like it was the last like couple years of the the wii like i would just hate for that to happen to the switch Dude, I I'm not even worried about that. I think you're way overthinking it. Uh, well, no, no, now. not when somebody gets on the podcast and tells me they enjoy these games like that already Dude, but, scares but me. But I guess like that's the thing though. Why does somebody? And this is a good conversation to have about the Switch. Why does somebody enjoying games make you worried? I think if I didn't like these games, if I was like, "Dude, Arms was crap. Dude, One Two Switch was crap. Super Scripts was like junk. You know, like these games suck." Like, that would be worrying. No, if you said that, then I would... If you would have said that, then I would be like, okay, like, I know why he he said that. And then you would probably then say, look, these aren't my kind of games. It was fun for when I tried it out here. But when I go back home, like, I probably won't play this. Maybe I'll pick one of them up for, like, a party with friends. And, like, maybe we can hang out and play it and then leave it at that. You said that you're going to play a crap ton of this. I don't believe that. Because I just yeah, don't... Dude. Like, it's, like, in the party aspect, yeah, like, yeah, of course, like, you have people over, like, you're going going to a party somewhere, yeah, yeah, cool, bring this by, y'all will play it for, it's just like Just Dance was, how Dance Central was, you know, games like that, where it was like, like a party element, but when I think of, like, having a console, like, those aren't the games that I think about, the games that I think about are, like, again, air quotes, the hardcore, like, the games that, like, everyone's talking about like i just don't think everyone's talking about arms again maybe it's just because i really do feel that in everything that i've heard about people talking about the switch i feel like everyone's just trying to make themselves feel like oh man like it's great and i did you're not look you're looking you're comparing the switch to a console and that is and it is is wrong but it's not that that's not even how they're marketing it dude like they're marketing it as something different Everything about the Switch is something different. You need to get rid of the idea of these hardcore games that are going to come out for it. Like, there's going to be good quality games, but that's not, like, the main intention of the Switch. The main intention of the Switch is more in line with what the Wii is, which happened to sell over 100 million versions. Right, and and we've talked about it a lot of times on the podcast that, yes, that's what they've been trying to do. They're trying to go back to the Wii, and that's fine because it did them well they made a lot of money off of that but at the same token 
there was a lot of oversaturated games. And I just would hate to see that for the Switch. But you know what system didn't have oversaturation, dude? The Wii U. And that's why it failed. Because there were no games coming out for the Wii U. The Wii U is a system that arguably had no oversaturation. Yeah, but it, the Wii U failed because it didn't have good games. Like, so far, I mean, there were some good games. It just didn't have enough. Like, yeah, that failed. It was a failure. But again, like I'm saying, like, you're, you're saying, oh, well, all consoles have or all systems have oversaturation of games. Yeah, and then they also have really great games. Yeah. That's the, oh, so, that's the only thing I'm so saying. So then I like, think your argument is you want good games to be there for the Switch. I want good that's games to saying. be there for the system. I don't mind that there are these type of games because these type of games have every right to be in the market. <laughs> I just I, I didn't expect you to say that, like, not not that you didn't have fun with it, because I, I figured you'd say that, but not to where you're, like, super stoked about it. Like, I'm just, yeah. I'm super shocked. Yeah, dude, and, like, I will stand by that 100%. Well, now you're going to, because we had an argument about it. You'll never, even <laughs> if you hate it, you'll never, you'll never let me know that you're tired no, of one of these games. You know, we owe it to our listeners to always be honest. Like, and I, I fully believe that. Like, if I'm wrong, dude, like, and I'll say it here, and you can throw it back. You know, episode 50, Ryan, like, you said this BS, and you're wrong. But, like, dude, if I'm wrong, like, I'll eat my words. But, man, playing these games, like, I feel like I understand the purpose of the Switch. Mm-hmm. Like, I do. I understand what Nintendo's trying to do, and I am buying into it because that goes hand-in-hand hand with my lifestyle. That goes 100% yeah. in with how I like to hang out with my friends and how I like to build my relationships. I think, yeah, the core thing is, like, I got to see it. And you haven't really yeah. been able to see it. Like, I got to catch the vision of it. And and that's, I think, the biggest difference that, that I learned at PAX. Like, I saw the vision of what they're trying to make the Switch. And, like, you're honestly just still looking at it through pictures and, like, a list of games coming out. I think after this conversation that there's a big chance that you are going to be very disappointed with the Switch. And you're probably not going to like it. Though, <laughs> one one last thing that I do want to say is the HD Rumble. So, I don't know how practical it's going to be. And I think that's something that, like, is really just straight up gimmicky. But I will say it is one hell of a gimmick. The in the one two switch they show the the game where you know you have to guess how many uh like little little spheres are in the the box right and they move yeah. around and you have to kind of feel it dude I felt it and it feels exactly like like it is. yeah that's cool because like in the conference when they're showing like the three cubes or whatever and you could feel the yeah, weight of it so you could feel the weight of whatever was in it. there. Yeah, like guessing how many ice are in the cup. Like, dude, that is 100% what it feels like. If you close your eyes or even if you look at the picture, it tricks your brain into feeling like you actually have something in your hands. See, I want to see that, though. With What game was it that was it like that a was tech demo? That was the one to switch. Yeah. Oh, it was with well, one No, that was switch? the game. That was in the game, yeah. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Like, I want to see that, like, implemented, like, with other, like, other titles, like how that works. Yeah. I mean, I look at that at the extent of, like, the microphone on the DS and the 3DS. Like, Nintendo's going to make use of it, but nobody else is really going to be like, oh, hey, let's make this feel like yeah, you're actually shooting it. a gun, you know? Da, da, yeah. da, da, da. Like, I, that is probably about as gimmicky as a Switch gets, but I will say it is amazing, and it really worked, and, like, it blew my mind, man. Like, I don't know how it was possible. Like, I really don't know how that technology is possible, but it worked, and it was awesome. 
but yeah, guys, let us know what do you guys think of the Switch. If you've seen it, if you haven't, we're really curious. What side of the coin do you fall on? Do you fall on the Ryan side where it's just all positive from here and, and he feels like he understands the purpose? Or do you go on the Mario side where he's still questioning, you know, is this thing going to last? Is it going to be fun in, in a year? Is it just going to be collecting dust on my TV stand? Uh where do you guys fall in place of that? Let um, me know at xxsneakysquidxx <laughs> on my Twitter. That's hilarious. Yeah, shoot us a shoot us a message. Hit us up on SoundCloud. But running through some of the other big things that I saw at Pack South, a game that I think uh, everybody needs to check out, and one that I was constantly told was their favorite of the the con was uh, Dauntless. You're fighting giant creatures you're you know it's multiplayer so you're playing with other people all in all man it is a pretty smooth looking game uh it plays almost like i would say like a dark souls game you know what it reminds you of uh shadows of amalur reckoning i think is what it was called oh uh, uh yeah i know what you're talking about amalur, yeah it reminds you yeah it reminds me of that game a lot in the gameplay but it looks great i like the aesthetic yeah dude it's a like beautiful look. looking game uh, it's definitely something that uh, I recommend looking into if you're into monster. Oh, type I games. did see this. I did see this. Did they? Sh was it there last year? I could have swore I saw this at a con. Yeah, it, it had all to. All I know is here though. It, the setup was huge. They had a giant booth this year. I think last year they it was just the developers showing off a little bit like in one of the oh it was one of the like uh you know how like throughout the day you can go to like the different events it was one of those they were talking about oh, the okay. game but they yeah yeah they didn't show obviously they had a floor there so that's pretty cool so they've actually gotten farther from last year and they're actually yeah dude, doing this it's actually a playable game I signed up to try the beta dude it's it's pretty cool, man, and it's definitely something to keep your eye on moving forward. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now, the sign-up. I think I'm going to sign up for it, too. You should, man. If we both get in, we can play and try to kill Behemoth together. Um, other awesome. than that, there's this other game. It's kind of a quick little play called Battle Sloths. This is actually published by Rooster Teeth, uh, but designed by the Invisible Collective. <laughs> yeah, they're funny. Dude, it is ridiculous. We had so much fun playing it. Uh, me and another guy named Ryan, we stood there probably for about 30 minutes on Saturday and just played it and invited other people to play because the, the admin wasn't there. The developer wasn't there standing around. It was just like an open system. And so we were nice. like promoting it ourselves because we believed in it so much. Uh, dude, it's super simple. You're just these sloths with guns. You know, it's your classic top-down <laughs> pixel game. Uh, you move with the left thumbstick, you aim with the right thumbstick, it's 360 aiming, and you shoot, pick up other guns, they have like lightsabers, they have machine guns, they have... Oh, uh, so it's like, like a, it's a twitch shooter kind of yeah, deal. Okay. Yeah, exactly, man. And it's all about pizza. <laughs> like, a big yeah, part of it involves pizza. And basketball, dude, apparently, so and much pumpkins. Fun. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, it's just, it's so stupid in all, all like, honestly, it shouldn't work. Uh, but it's, it's it does, and it's so much fun, and it's so It's like bloody, a poor man's so Enter the Gungeon. Dude, it is very much a poor man's Enter the Gungeon, but I believe it's... I don't even think there's a story mode, at least from what we saw. It's very much just a, uh, like, just a top-down four-player shooter. Nice. 
Yeah, dude, it was tons of fun. And then the levels are really cool. Like, there's levels with, like, lasers where, you know, if you step on a button, a laser will shoot. And so I really worked that to my advantage because people kept on forgetting about it, and I just kept on killing them with lasers from the level. There's hell where, like, these, like, on-fire bats appear out of nowhere and just try to kill everybody and just destroy people. (laughs) And arguably the best part about the game are the 700-plus unlockable hats that you can wear. Yeah, that's what I'm looking at right now. Like, the customization for it, like, is insane saying like they have dude. like a jason thing they got a pumpkin yeah what? dude it is as ridiculous and one thing a that torso. is really interesting about this game that i love yeah. and that i didn't realize until i got home is that if you are a subscriber for humble monthly and you subscribed i think three months ago four months ago you already have the initial version of this game oh nice uh, yeah and that i didn't know Oh, uh, but it came out as just a you know humble bundle like a humble game the, like the extra yeah exactly like just yeah just like a cheap like little free one and Rooster Teeth caught up, caught wind of it and they wanted to produce a better version and so Battle Slash twenty twenty five is the new one yeah it's gonna be Battle Slash twenty twenty five for the new oh, one oh twenty twenty five okay but the original was uh was just Battle Slash sorry ah uh, okay okay dude it's I mean it, it screams you know like five dollar game ten dollar game but it's gonna be so worth it I am one hundred percent gonna buy this game now you're already subscribed to it anyways so you yeah can try it out and then get the legit one. Oh, I mean, no, I played it. I probably oh, you in did total play played that. like an hour to an hour and 15 worth of it uh, at PAX. And we kept, whenever we'd walk by, we'd pick up a controller and play it. It's just that's so fun. simple, so much fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's kind of the big, like, video games that I played at PAX out. There were a lot of other ones that I tried and I played. And, and honestly, it's very overwhelming when you're there. There's so much to do and so many lines to get in that it, I just kind of don't want to get in any well, of them. And I just want to play. Wanna, I don't want to go past this, but you're talking about Capcom and Ari, uh, Resident Evil 7. Dude. Like, you didn't, you set, you touched on it briefly, but we started getting into Switch stuff. So, like, you tried out uh, RE7 with the VR? Unfortunately, I did not. They ran out of tickets day uh, one, dude. Like, oh, you had to get a ticket to do it. Yeah, it wasn't like they last ran year out where you could stand so line. fast. No, there was no line for it. Uh, it was just you had a ticket, you showed up at your time, and that was it. Uh, but oh, what, dang. what I didn't want with it though was it was the VR experience, and a lot of people uh, said that if you have motion sickness, this is previous VR experiences with it. Uh, be careful because you're gonna get sick. And since I was working, I didn't want to risk, you know, catching sick, crazy like, yeah. motion sickness and having to lie down or just throwing up profusely. Uh, that would not be a way to to work at the con. But the setup was awesome. It was a giant house just in the middle of the whole PAX room, and uh, like in the middle of the show floor. One last thing I want to touch on are just a couple of tabletop games that I saw that I would recommend looking into. Uh, the first one was my favorite one called El Presidente by a DreamWriteprinting.com. Of course, that would they're be actually your favorite one. they're they're a local, <laughs> of course, they're a local company. They they live actually right next door to the apartment complex that I live in now. Oh, nice. Um, and they print all their own stuff there. Uh, El Presidente is definitely worth checking out. That's I'm the one where it involves a lot of lying businesses. and uh, lying and, and cheating and stuff like that to to, to get more I'm all money. About those two. Dude, all, I'm all about lying games. <laughs> it, it was tough. It was stressful. I was terrible at it, but I had so much fun. Um, the other two are just games that you need to check out online. One is called Burgle Bros. It's uh, where you're 
it's a cooperative game where you're four thieves, and it's a three-level game, so a lot of people are building platforms for it, because it actually involves having three different levels, and you have to try and really break cool. in, steal some stuff, and then escape without getting caught. Yeah, dude, this game is, uh, as far as the group that I was with, they loved this game. This was it looks number really one put together. It looks put together very well. Like Very well it. put together. So look for that. That's already released, the game is, but uh, the... Did they say if El Presidente was going to have like a mobile app version of it, or this too early on? No, yeah, way too early. And plus it okay. involves like very heavy like conversation. It's all about communication. Well, I know that one, there was this... Um... Well, I, I guess maybe I'm looking at it wrong. I'm, I'm looking at when you're saying a mobile version, like just a companion app where instead of the board, like you could just do it on the phone. Like, what was that wolf game? Like, you have to guess who the wolf is. Oh, werewolf? Werewolf, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I, I was guessing it was something like that. Oh, no, no. This is, this is a little bit different. This involves, uh, okay. like, you have to be able to talk. So, quick breakdown of El Presidente. Uh, at the beginning of each turn, there's somebody called a president. And the president gets a budget. And so you flip over cards to find out how much the budget is. And then the president has a bunch of, like, people, like a general, uh, uh, the 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 jefe, the leader of the, uh, the police, you know, his friend, and then just, like, normal citizens. And all of them are going to be vying for that money. So, like, if it's a good if it's a good day, everybody gets money. If it's not, then you have to kind of pick and choose who does and who doesn't get money. Uh, and okay. you play down cards to show, like, your influence and your strength. And the more influence and strength you have, the more you can kind of demand. And so as the president, you want to make everybody happy. Otherwise, people will revolt. And if they revolt, you know, if the revolt wins, whoever has the highest revolt becomes the new president. And if the revolt fails and those people lose money and they get like demoted to like normal citizens. So it's very, hmm. it's difficult. And the line comes into play because the president can start promising people all these things and he doesn't have to do it at all. And so okay. it's, dude, it's crazy, man. It's very crazy. It's a lot of fun though. Um, and yeah, the last game that I just wanted to highlight on is called Yukon Saloon. And it is a very simple card game that is a lot of fun that actually has a Kickstarter going on right now where you give Lumberjacks beard cuts and bears bear dudes. I've seen this, yeah. Dude, this game is a lot of fun. I backed it myself, um, and I greatly recommend that you at least look into it if you like games. It's $15 to back it. Totally worth it. Uh, it succeeded as far as... You know, getting enough backers, day one of packs, and a lot of people. Do they always have this that. name? I could have swore there was like this another, there was another like beard game. And maybe this was the same one. I thought it was a different name. That, I don't know. I only heard of this game at South. Um, they were right next to our booth. And man, I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Um, it was a lot of fun. These three tabletop games were definitely the best ones that I saw there. There were a lot of other good ones, and I spent some money on some other ones that I saw. But uh, You and them Kickstarters. Dude, I, I got a thing for Kickstarters, man. I actually am getting three things delivered this week from it. Nice. Uh, but yeah, man, and that kind of ends our packs. you know, talk. As far as what I saw and what I loved, there were a lot of things going on there. <laughs> Um, we're definitely going to need to figure out what happens with the Switch. I don't think it's going to be a Ryan or Mario was right or wrong. I think both of us Something are right in and both of us are wrong. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Something in between. And, you know, we'll see. We'll know a lot more once I get it and once I start using it. But uh, <clears throat> I have it ordered. I have Zelda ordered for sure. And we will be doing a review of that in the future. Usually so when something's in between, <clears throat> usually both parties come to an agreement. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And 
And it, it's not even like an agree to disagree. It's just like, a, yeah, okay. Like, we're good yeah, with that. Yeah, I can <laughs> like, see that. Yep. Like, for sure. So let us know what you guys saw at PAX for any of you guys who went, what you liked, what you didn't like. We definitely are interested in that, and we can address it and hit it up in future episodes. But moving on, one thing that we do at the ending of every episode, and something that a lot of our listeners, a lot of you guys have been asking us about, has been our ever-growing and still unnamed character list. Bro, I'm, I'm like about to name this list the greatest list never never named. Like, I'm so close to just naming it myself. Dude, I Please mean, that is a it. good name. I think <laughs> this is the last week. If we don't get any names that are good names that we like, I think it's fair to name it that. The greatest list never, <laughs> never named. named. Because people have no problem giving us characters. <laughs> I have a giant yeah, list of exactly. characters now. Uh, we have characters that last for days, but we don't have a name yet. So this is the last week to get a name in. Um, but thank you guys so much. You guys have adopted this list. You guys have gotten really excited about it. And that's made us really excited about it and encouraged us to continue going. So we have two new characters to add to the list today. Mario, kick us off. All right. So known to some as Heaven's Illumination and Sun Goddess to all of Nippon. This next protagonist is known for being quiet, mature, kind, gentle, and always helping those in need. The character that we are talking about is Amaratsu. Amaratsu from the Okami series. Uh, man, I, I just to kick it off, I love the way that Amaratsu looks. Yeah, dope. Like, even, like, the character, and of course, just Okami in general, like, the art for Okami is beautiful. Yeah, man, like, <clears throat> their decision, because originally the way that they were going to do it, they were just going to do it more realistic, but due to the limitations of the PS2 hardware, they decided to go with a different art style, which is a Japanese black ink, uh, which is called Sumia. So they decided to go with that, and in bringing in that type of feel to the game, it allowed them to use the Celestial Brush mechanic, which is a big thing for Okami, and I think one of the greatest things with it, because there wasn't a lot of games, if not any games, doing that at that time. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure, man, and and that's what makes it so unique and makes it stand out. However, the one thing I think that will hurt is that there really is just, like, two games that are original games. So, Okami, of course, which has been remade on almost every single system out there, uh, yeah. post, you know, PS2 or whatever, and then Okami Den, which is uh, a sort of a little-known Nintendo DS sequel that really was just like a cash grab. Um, and other than that, he's made he's made some appearances in some fighting games, uh, but you know he hasn't really been seen in any new adventures uh, for years. This one was tough because, like, I always considered like the Okami series like the greatest game no one ever played because like. Yeah. No, like nobody played this game. Like nobody really knows about it. Um, Amaterasu just wasn't around enough. So like, I feel like that first check and balances for that, like, it just wasn't in a lot of games. We do we want to see another Okami? Like, I don't want another like uh, Okami. Then like, please don't. <laughs> like, I, I I never tried, but I always heard that that game was absolutely terrible. Yeah. Um, for sure. I think it's a really cool character, a really cool idea, and I think the fact that he's been like the game's been remade with him as like the front runner is 
is a great thing for him. But like you said, and you kind of knocked it out of the park, like nobody really knows about him and nobody really talks about him right. uh, in the world of gaming. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're not seeing like these giant, you know, gaming media things like talk about Amaratsu or Okami like weekly. You know, I think that it's one of those things where if somebody announced they were doing a new game, people would lose their minds. But until they announce it, nobody's really talking about it. Yeah, it's true. When it comes to Okami, like, Amaratsu, like, is the star of the show. Um, but I've, a lot of people still think, like, Amaratsu's name uh, is Okami. Like, people get confused with that, and they're not really aware of, like, the differences in that and i think the other yeah. big thing is like and it's huge because a lot of the game a lot of the characters that we've brought up before they all have like a big standpoint in their game and amaterasu does but she never speaks like yeah. all the other canine warriors do and interesting enough like a lot of like the interactions from uh, amaterasu's guide is uh isun so like a lot of the game's characters are all derived from japanese folklore uh, via uh, Shinto mythology. So, like, Isan Bushi is a, a story about a parents wishing for a child, and their wish is granted, and they end up getting a child that's one inch tall. Amaterasu and uh, Susano are based off of the Shinto deity siblings. Like, they all have that folklore, and I, I think that's really amazing because when they even uh, did the uh, North American localization of the game, they decided to still keep it's Japanese roots because it's so Japanese and like they didn't want to mess that up. So like all the dialogue that you hear is not like changed when it, when it came to the States. So like, I think that's a big thing that like when it comes to like the appeal of the game, like, like it is the star, but I think it's just really crazy that her in particular, she doesn't speak, but yet like, there's just still like this this love for the character. Yeah, well, I think the best way that we're gonna figure it out is to go to the list and compare it up to other characters on the list. So, I mean, I would say personally that I, I don't I like Amaratsu is definitely not in the bottom half of the list. Like, there's no chance. But I don't think it's a character that's much better than like the middle of the list. You know, when you look at like Guile, Ryu Hayabusa, Dirk the Daring. Like, when you look at those characters, like, I think Amaratsu would slot in fine above or below any of those. It's just going to be which one. Like, somewhere in that area? Yeah, I mean, I would say that, like, because I look at the top, you know, our list isn't huge, so we can kind of go through, like, the top part. Mega Man, Luigi, and Ratchet, I think, are hands down better. You know, like, I, I think better than, than, than Amaratsu. But, like, Dirk the Daring... I don't know, like, the history of Dirk and, and the, the the changes that he brought in are pretty big. Uh, and you could kind of argue that Amaratsu came in with artwork that kind of changed gaming a little bit, but it didn't, like, blow people's minds in the way that Dirk did, like Dirk, Dirk Dirk's character did. In I think you'd have to put her at 7, you where think Nico is. So, below Ryu Hayabusa yeah, I and don't above think, Nico? Yeah, I don't think that... Amaterasu would go above Ryu, just based solely on the person, like the like having no personality kind of thing. Not, not even well, throwing that in there, but I think more or less just the fact of the amount of games that yeah. Ryu has been in. I mean, yeah. Amaterasu's legacy goes back to the PS2 days, so like. <laughs> 
and it stays there and goes to the Wii and PS3. Like, I mean, I just don't think there's been enough of that. And it's not anything against the game. The game is great. Um, I'm actually even thinking about uh, picking it up, like, for, like, the PlayStation 3 again. Like, it's a great game. More of a fact of this game is, like, known. Like, and the game got Game of the Year awards in 2006, and, like, it hasn't sold more than, like, 600,000 copies or 900,000 copies since 2009. So it's, like in the world record book for like least commercially successful winner of a game of the year award so like that right there tells you a lot about it and it just again it just it's not a fault of the game it they just never promoted it right it just never got out there to the masses i feel like if maybe it did we'd see more iterations of this and Amaterasu would probably be up there a lot higher it'd probably be a maybe where a ryu is at Maybe even a guy. I'm probably going a little bit too far, but maybe we're a reuse at. Yeah. But yeah, it's just we haven't seen enough of this character. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's a good place, man. So we'll put Amaratsu slotting in uh, right below Ryu Hayabusa and above Nico Bellic. Uh, that's kind of our, I think that's a good like breaking point yeah. as far as like good characters, like solid characters, and, you know, just characters, like good characters. It's fitting where she's at. Absolutely. So, up next, a guardian angel who comes to you in time of need, whether by luck or perks, his undoubtedly mysterious entrance is sure to leave you at ease. We are talking about the mysterious stranger from the Fallout (laughs) series. Yeah, so when this was brought up, this was hilarious because... I think the character does have a little bit of lore, you can say, (laughs) Uh, but it's kind of just tied to the series itself. Uh, But yeah, I think this was an interesting call because I I do definitely feel like there are people that love this character and there is the fanfare for it. But then uh, I think there are people that may not even know who this character is. I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's like you said it perfectly like fan favorite like certain fans know about this character and they love it and a majority of people who play Fallout probably have no clue who this character is right because it is like at least in 3 New Vegas and 4 it's just like a random perk that's on your perk tree you know like you get it and then when you use vats uh, if a character's already almost dead, like the mysterious stranger will just come out and just blow its brains out, you know? And then in the original ones, like it was just completely random, right? Like he yeah. would just come out of nowhere. Yeah, uh, for sure. Like in and, and the thing about it, like he would actually hang out in the original ones. He wouldn't say much, but he would just like be there. But like a majority of people who played Fallout probably have never seen him. Like ever. You know, they have no clue who this character is. So like when you look at, like, does this guy, like, even, like, affect the game or, like, change in anything in any way? Like, not at all. Like, who is this yeah. guy again? Like, the mysterious stranger? What? Who? I think the only, I think the, well, one of the things that it does do is, obviously, it gives itself its own lore within its own series because they bring it back over and over again. Yeah, and then yeah. even in Fallout 4, like, I saw that they, it's like a whole mystery behind, like, who is the mysterious stranger and, like, there's this letter and it's like the detectives trying to find out who who this guy is and i think what's really cool and i mean it could be a theory but in in looking into like more of the character it seems like it draws his inspiration uh based off of the book called the mysterious stranger by mark twain so the story follows satan an individual with supernatural abilities displaying his powers and attempting to show man that the fertility of and the risk of those powers so in this story he was an angel which is that's how we look at the mysterious stranger in fallout 
And also his, uh, he also goes by another name, which is number 44. Well, in Fallout, in the newer Fallout, and like from Vegas on, he carries a 44 Magnum. Yeah. So like I, when, and like looking into it and like researching that stuff, like I think it takes a lot from that. And if it does, like that's really cool because it does give it its own lore. But the problem is, is like that's the only thing it's like in that game. Like it doesn't reach outside of that. Like yeah. it may have based a story off of that, but it doesn't go outside that. Yeah, um, for sure. And I thought it was really cool. Like in in uh, New Vegas, uh, the Lonesome Drifter. Do you remember running across him? No, actually, not at all. In New yeah, Vegas. like so, like they pretty much. They don't even want to say they hint at it. They pretty much tell you that like. The Lonesome Drifter is the mysterious, or they lead you to believe that the Lonesome Drifter is uh, the mysterious stranger's son. Like, the guy is telling you his backstory about how his mother died, and his father left, and his mother said that he was a mysterious man, a stranger almost, <laughs> and then, like, he's looking for his father, and he's carrying a forty-four Magnum. Jeez. So like yeah like they try to like add that in there uh, with the story so like I think that's really yeah, cool but I never knew that man I never saw that before yeah so like yeah and like it it's I don't know it obviously plays some sort of role in it and they bring it to four but I think the thing about it is <laughs> and I see you have put this here like if the mysterious stranger dies off a panel and no one is around to see it doesn't make a sound. I think that's like, (laughs) I mean, that's so true. Like, that's the main question. If he is not in this game, does it change Fallout at all? No. Exactly. It doesn't change Fallout. Most people don't even know about him. Like, I didn't even know about the New Vegas thing, and I have played a crap ton of New Vegas. Yeah. Like, I I think, I mean, he's cool. He's a cool, he's almost like an Easter egg. You know, he's just like... He is the per- like he is the definition of like what an Easter egg is. Like, hey, he's in all these games, he's in all these Fallout games. Like, you may see him, you may not. Uh, and that I think is definitely going to hurt him on our list. Now, at the bottom of our list is Slippy Toad, who is just the worst. Like, honestly, he's just a complete turd. I don't personally think the Mysterious Stranger goes below Slippy Toad, uh, based solely on the fact that if you took Slippy Toad out of any Fox game, uh, it would be a better game. <laughs> like. It would be 100% better. But um, I look at one above Slippy Toad, and there is Gino, and it kind of makes me wonder, like, which character's better, you know? So, and I had texted you about it. like, So my buddy Daniel, by the way, gave me these two characters, and I'm glad that he, he, get, he did give me those. But when I'm looking at it, and I messaged you, like, I'm trying to find a way not to put the Mysterious Stranger at the bottom. Yeah. And it's for the simple fact of, like, he really only exists in like an Easter egg portion of the game. Like that's what he is. He's an Easter egg. Whereas Slippy Toad, like whether we hate him or not, like he is a main staple in the Star Fox series. Would you say the Mysterious Stranger is a main staple in the Fallout series? No, but I would definitely say that the main the the Mysterious Stranger doesn't take away from the game. He just doesn't add anything to it. Whereas I firmly believe that Slippy Toad, like, almost ruins the Star Fox games when he talks. <laughs> like, I think that is a completely accurate description of, like, just the characters. One doesn't matter, while the other one actively hurts the game. 
I would need a poll of like how many people think Slippy Toad like ruins the game. Like I, I like I, we can't even argue on it because we'll never finish this list. So I'm going to allow you to enter him above Slippy Toad. <laughs> I think above Slippy Toad is definitely better cool. than than below Slippy Toad, without a doubt. Cool. Slippy Toad's so just the worst, dude. Put him there at eleven. <laughs> I like it. You're like, all right, let's just. Let's just yeah, because I mean, there's no point gonna, in like going back and forth about it. Like, if you think yeah. he goes there, like that's fine. Like, it's either there or at the bottom. Like, I mean, yeah. he wouldn't go any higher. Yeah, no, without a doubt, without a doubt. Uh, so yeah, thank you very much, Daniel, for the list that brings the Thanks, mysterious bro. stranger into eleventh on our list of currently twelve that will keep on growing with each episode. Guys, thank you so much for sending us in these submissions. Like I said, we have a long list already of characters who have been submitted to us, so please feel free to submit any new characters to us. Uh, if you're our friends directly, text us, uh, give us a call, shoot us a message on Discord or whatever. But if not, Mario, once again, let them know how they can reach you on yeah, the internet. Shameless plug number three. So if you want to catch me on my uh, personal Twitter, it's at XXSneakySquidXX. If you want to catch us at the main podcast Twitter, it's going to be at TTWYP. Yep, and you can catch me on both Twitter and Instagram at Ryan P. Guerra. Guys, thank you so much for listening in. We will be back next week with a weekly quest, which we need to do because it's been a good amount of time and we have a <laughs> lot to talk about uh, that's happening in the gaming world. So check in next week and we will catch you guys soon. Have a great day, evening, morning, commute to work, wherever you are, and we will see you soon. Bye, guys. Later, peace.